0: Welcome into the Cone Zone. I'm your host Sam Cone and we're happy to be back after a short hiatus for spring break. Today we have Ray Dunn in the studio to do something a little bit different. We like to get creative and keep things interesting here. Ray and I have done some extensive research to assemble an NBA roster with the potential to win 82 games and a championship. We stuck with an eight-man roster and a coach, so we'll talk a little bit about what is it that makes a team successful and what guys we think can fill those roles. It might be impossible, but hey, at least we tried, right? Of course, before we can get into any of that, Marty, the floor is yours. All right, this is, uh, this is an oldie, but, uh, well, it's an oldie where I come from. All right, guys, uh, listen to some blues riff and B. Watch me for the changes and try and keep up, okay? Ray Dunn, back in action for your third appearance on The Cone Zone. You're becoming a seasoned vet around here.
1: Yeah, I mean... I don't blame you for bringing me back. I heard my numbers are still better than buzzes. Um, <laughs> but seriously, thank you for bringing me back on after a wonderful spring break. I don't know about you, but I went to the very tropical Oaks, Pennsylvania over a
0: break. Uh, <laughs> nah, you,
1: won't, you wouldn't have seen me
0: there. 35
1: degrees and cloudy every day. Uh, how was your spring break?
0: Uneventful, to say the least. I yeah, spent most there. of it in the snow-filled Massachusetts. Uh, I spent a lot of time sleeping, and that's about it. But, so we got a lot to get into, Ray. Um. Again, we both took on the challenge of putting together an NBA team that could win 82 games and a championship. So I guess let's start off going over some rules that we both abided by. Of course. How can we put together this eight-man roster and a coach that would win 82 games and win a championship? We didn't specify that they had to go undefeated in the playoffs. They just had to come out with a ring.
1: Right, which we- justifies one of my picks. <laughs> wink, wink.
0: We um, we were accounting for chemistry, fatigue, and the ups and downs of a regular NBA season. Because mm. as we know and as we've seen, there are a lot of them. Mm, God. None more than this year. So my first question for you, Ray, is do you think, before we get into all this, will a team ever win 82 games in a regular season?
1: No. I, I just can't see it. I think there's way too many factors. There's way too many ways to exploit a team. Uh, I think some teams are better at exploiting other teams. Just the way teams are built, honestly. I think uh, unless you somehow were able to get like what we're looking at here, eight incredible players all in their prime. Like by incredible, I don't mean like hey they put a you know highlight reel together, fantastic season. Like they come in night in night out, a hundred percent. They work together cohesively. There's a bench. There's like it. All of it has to be. For black of a word, perfect. <laughs> uh and I could never see that happening. I mean l- look at other sports. You got football is only, you know, sixteen games. You've had what, two undefeated regular seasons mm-hmm. and then uh, And then the
0: Patriots lost to the Giants in the Super Bowl. Eli Manning,
1: baby. <laughs> the guy. But yeah, like I mean, even in a sport with less games, it's still incredibly difficult to do.
0: And I still can't believe that the Warriors won seventy three was an amazing yeah. feat. So there's yeah, as you're saying, there's still this human factor. You have road trips, strength of schedule. It's also important to remember that just the other night, a 15 seed in the West beat the number 1 seed in the West. Right. So, so anything can happen. Absolutely. This is basketball. Anything can happen in the world of sports, anything can happen.
1: Now, actually, before we get into this, I uh called up Bill Simmons for oh, this. Oh my god. Uh I called him and he he wanted to give his input on this and I called him up before this season. So I want to give you uh, what his answer was. He had uh, Brad Stevens as the head coach. He had <laughs> Kyrie Irving, <laughs> Jason Tatum, uh, Al Horford, yep. Marcus going. Morris, Marcus Smart. Bring it on. Gordon Hayward, Jalen Brown, and Terry Rozier. And uh, he also wanted me to mention that there would be a 12th guy that would be uh, dunking a lot uh, for celebrations. And that, that team... Uh, also, they have to be wearing Celtics jerseys. Let me hear that it. team would go eighty-two and out.
0: Ray, if we get to it, we'll talk some Celtics. We might talk some Sixers, but you have to admit the Celtics are back. They're back, baby.
1: Oh, they're back. They're back, baby. Back, baby. Back. Okay, uh, we're getting we're yeah, we're, no, we're no, getting too
0: off topic. So let's get so agreed. before we before we get into the teams that we've assembled, uh, what was the process like for you picking this kind of team? Take me through your head. Take me through your process. Well,
1: I agreed to do this. Then I got back on campus, realized I had a lot of work to do. And then I realized they agreed to do this. Um and it became more of a at first I was like, all right, well, let me just go find players where I regard the best at each position. And then it became well that would never work because
0: they they don't kill can, each other. the reason
1: they're the best at their position is because they get the ball a ton and they're usually the focal points of the teams they're on. So I had to, you know, readjust my notes. I uh Stayed on brand. Shuffled some papers. Looked at a lot of numbers. (laughs) Sat and reflected for a while there. Uh, Had a sleepless night last night. Really, really tried to. (laughs) Good. And I tried to be the basketball. No, but really, it was more of just a who do I think could work cohesively? Like, I need a strength. I want a team where there wasn't a glaring weakness. Like, I didn't want a team where late in the game there was someone that could definitely be fouled. And, um, you know, that could be an issue because they can't, I wanted a team that defensively could have options late in the game if they need to, you know, be strong defensively. I, d- I needed players that were different offense, I had different facets of the offensive game that would cohesively work together. So it was like looking at players, and there's players no-brainers in my mind. And then today when I looked in the doc and you had years assigned to players, I was like, oh. I, let, oh, me go that's make, right. <laughs> let me go make sure I got uh, seasons. Pick the right season. Pick the right season because, you know, for a couple of my players, you know, middle of the career is very different than the end of the career. So, all that combined
0: with a lot of stressing and a little bit of jokes,
1: I came up with this team.
0: I'm very excited to hear it. So, again, before we get into it, uh, one more question How many All Stars on one team do you think is, at what point does it become too much, too many, too overpowering to be successful? To win, is eight, it possible?
1: Yeah, to win eighty-two games, you need, I would say, six, six or seven. Like you, you need you need all stars coming off the bench, which is like, in theory, you know, not. It's not tangible. Like the the idea of this eighty-two and O team, to me, is not tangible. So I went with we're a team living. That we're you, living in a hypothetical yeah, world. We're here. Li- I love the hypothetical world, but we're living in the hypothetical w- world. Um, Say hi to my girlfriend in this world (laughs) But really It's not something That is attainable So with that said If there was ever a team I'd say they probably have six All-Stars My uh, team is composed of All-Stars
0: Ray, without further ado Let's hear it, give it to us You want all eight right away I want to go through your squad, take me one by one Okay, well at head coach, I, I, Well, should we start starters? We'll go back and forth starters. And yeah, I say bench.
1: well, let's start with the coach. Okay. Honestly, who's because your,
0: who's your coach? I'm
1: going Greg Popovich, and I understand that because um, I had a little advantage of seeing yours before. Uh, where you, I understood where you were coming from, but I mean, Popovich to me just embodies the consistency and kind of the leadership you need as a coach because he had some incredible talents, and he also had some guys who, if they were put in other systems, would have been washed out of the NBA. Would it absolutely... Manu went 60th in the draft for a reason. Sure. Like, he was not a huge, you know, can't miss. Kawhi, as much as he doesn't want to identify with San Antonio right now, without Popovich, I think his career is a whole different story. And because of that, I thought if there's anyone that could take all these egos and take all these big, you know, superstar players and make them work cohesively... That's my guy, Popovich. I also prepared some quotes for you from Popovich since I, uh, again, got to all see right, i All w- right, I'll
0: let you read some quotes before I reveal my coach.
1: Uh, this is all Popovich right here. Happy is a stupid word. It really is. It makes no sense. And you know why that's important? Because if you're too happy after a win and you lose focus, you're not going to 8 2 no? So don't be happy. That's what Popovich is saying. Don't be happy. And this is just a quote I love from him. I hate Steve Kerr. If he ask me anything, I tell him to go urinate in a bucket. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Uh, I have no idea where he was going with that, but I absolutely love the <laughs> quote, and I felt like it needed more publicity because I didn't see it when he first said it. Uh, it took me a little while to find that one. but
0: So that's a good segue to, before I reveal my coach, Steve Kerr was my honorable mention simply for the fact that he coached the team that holds the record for most wins in a single season. A 73-win season is far and away the most impressive thing we've seen from a team. The Warriors are among one of the greatest teams ever assembled, and Steve Kerr was their coach, so I thought, you know, that's a no-brainer. But I, I, I couldn't go with the Tide. I, I didn't like the idea of having a young guy, Steve Kerr, as my coach for this 82-win season.
1: I think, I think he deserves a lot more credit than he gets. Like, now he doesn't get as much credit because everyone's like, oh, the super team, the super team. Where they were the year before they won the title, like his first season versus where they've gotten to, not possible without Steve Kerr. Was it I, Mark Jackson was a coach before Yep, I do yeah, not yeah. disagree with you. I mean, you can hear how salty he is every time he's calling one their NBA Finals game. <laughs>
0: but literally,
1: like where they were with him versus where they are with Kerr, two totally different, totally different teams.
0: So the coach for my 82-win team is Coach Mike Shashevsky from Duke. My quote I have for you from Coach K is, quote, I don't coach losers, I only coach winners. To me, that was that said it all. That's all I need is a guy that doesn't coach losers. He coaches winners. And Coach K has five NCAA championships, and even his experience coaching with the USA team made me feel like if I'm assembling this team of pure talent and talent that can work together and learn to work together quickly to get an 82-win season, Coach K is my guy. Absolutely,
1: uh, I I like I like your pick there. Um, five NCAA championships versus five NBA titles. You know. Who's to say which one's more <laughs> more accomplished?
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. All right, let's hear your starting five. All right, my starting five.
1: My computer's charged enough, it's cool.
0: All right, Steph
1: Curry from 2015 16, also known as Nuclear Steph Curry. Uh, I'll go into explanations after I get through it. Uh, I went Temple Tough at Shooting Guard. Whoa. 1996 1997, Eddie Jones, the whoa, Los Angeles whoa, Lakers. Whoa. <laughs> Explanation will be coming. 2012-2013, LeBron James, Miami Heat. Uh, I think that one will pretty much explain itself, but we'll get to it. 2013-2014, uh, Kevin Durant with the Oklahoma City Thunder. A good pick. Yeah, I wonder why you think it's good. And then at center, 1975-1976, to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar with the Lakers, of course.
0: Uh, You care to explain those picks? Let's dive deeper into a little bit. The thought
1: process behind my starting lineup. Uh, Steph Curry, I mean, you mentioned the 73-win season. Need I I say more about what his team
0: did there? Sure. And he was really the powerhouse behind that team that put that team together, the brainchild behind that team.
1: 402 threes that season. That's a lot. (laughs) At a 45% clip. Like, that's... As a guy who hates the mid-range, too, for a guy his size, that's exactly where you want to be playing. Play beyond the arc. And he actually, like, wasn't terrible at defense that year. Like, he was legitimately... That's all
0: you need, is a guy that can shoot the absolute bleep out of the ball, but can also play, like, solid defense. Yeah, he
1: wasn't hard. Like, now, like, I would not want him guarding uh, someone else's point guard. Back then, a little bit. Like, he had a decent defensive season. That's all we need. Um... True shooting percentage, near 67%, which, again, absurdity. The, the dude's just incredible. Um, or was incredible that season. He's still incredible. He was incredible that season. And I know for me, you're going to disagree with this, but I just want someone at guard that's going to just shoot the lights out. I That's absolutely what I want. And I, instead of getting that from my shooting guard position, because, honestly, me looking through time, I could have picked a point guard that was more you know, pass-first, pass-oriented, but I feel like I'm getting that at small forward.
0: Yeah, I was, t- I was telling you this before the show. If I've learned anything from putting this team together, it's that for some reason I'm obs- I am obsessed with the floor general pass-first point guard that can also finish around the rim and maybe put up one or two threes a game, but he really doesn't need to. It's really the guy that's going to generate the offense.
1: And you know what? That that's perfectly fine. I think if I got LeBron uh, bringing up the ball, and I've got and can, I can have uh, Steph Curry off the ball. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, like my life my life changed when I when I realized I could have that happen. Now I'm gonna move on to shooting guard, which was the interesting choice of mine. I want I wanted to keep it a little interesting with uh, my shooting guard choice because. I could have just said, you know, oh, I want MJ. I would have never said I want Kobe uh,
0: just to be Kobe for an 82 win season. I was talking to my roommate about this. Kobe for an 82 win season is a disaster. Yeah, because he's he's a black hole. He gets the ball and he shoots, going up with it. So to win 82 games uh, is tough. I mean, no disrespect to Kobe Bryant. He's one of the greatest players of all time, but not for our purposes. I'm not prefacing
1: my statement with that. Okay, Um, (laughs) no Kobe for my 82 win team. Uh, Lower Merion people get mad at me if you want. 1996, 1997, Eddie Jones, which, again, kind of a random pick in there. I was kind of going through. I wanted someone who uh, pretty much racked up the steals in a season, was kind of more of a defensive presence at shooting guard. And I was going through names. I was going through names. And, you know, nothing was really sticking with me. There was a lot of guys who, since they were on the floor a lot, you know, they got a lot of steals and because they were usually on the guy's – with the ball, and a lot of them were, like, high-usage guys. Like, uh, Iverson pops up there a lot. Um, Chris Paul pops there up there a lot. And those guys, you know, they're going to need the ball in their hands a lot more. Eddie Jones, not the case. Sure. Uh, so he, that season averages 17.2 points per game. Remember, a Temple alum. I should, you know, <laughs> go with that in this. Played 80 games. Um, shot 39% from three, which fits with my needing someone that can shoot. And then the more interesting thing for me was I was like, well, the benchmark of that era. How did he play against Jordan? Which he was actually signed on to the Jordan brand because Michael Jordan thought he was going to be something incredible. And he, Eddie he,
0: Jones was? Eddie Jones. The yeah. more you know.
1: Yeah. Eddie uh, Jones was not all-star in this season. So, again, really going against my whole all-star thing. Michael Jordan only averaged 23.6 points per game against him and shot 41% against him.
0: Hey, if you can shut down the greatest that ever that's, was. That's where I'm thinking here. So I was,
1: again, I went through, I looked at a lot of names. I was thinking about a guy that uh, ended up on your team, ended up on your bench. We'll get to that. But mm-hmm. ultimately I was like, hey, let me give it a little old-time love here, a little, little, you know, guy that played over 20 years ago,
0: was solid defensively, and could shoot. So I'm with you, though, for a guy that's playing the two-guard to just be a lockdown defender. They can also kind of score the ball when he needs to, but that's really not what he's out there for. Because if you have a point guard that can score the ball and a small forward that can score the ball, to have a shooting guard that's really just there to, to just be a monster on the defensive end, that's really what you need from him. And that's what you that's that's something you need a core of a defense on a successful team.
1: Yeah, and uh, fortunately, he didn't last very long uh, in L.A. because another shooting guard uh, was drafted there uh, very soon after he kind of raised the prominence and he got traded away. Uh, that shooting guard, of course, did not make my team. so. Again, anti-Kobe uh, <laughs> at its best here. Uh, to go small forward, I'm just going to go off about how much I love LeBron here. Um, 2012, 2013 LeBron James. There's plenty of versions that you could pick from. That uh, I think 2008, 9 LeBron was another great one. Um, I picked one where he was with the Heat because this was kind of when he was playing with the other superstars. I figured that would be a nice little um, balance in there. I mean... He was he was just in the midst of the absolute prime of his career. You don't, have, yeah, all stars. You don't really have. You to, don't like, have
0: to convince me. LeBron is LeBron belongs on this team. Yeah, um, you know, there's some people now that you might have to convince this year about LeBron, but uh, LeBron his prime is really something truly special.
1: Yeah, uh, it's something I don't plan on ever seeing again. Um, but yeah, there. I think that's enough. He can bring the ball up. He can dish it. Uh, he played defense back then. Uh,
0: yeah, I you can score from any needed, level. And he needed a ring. Yeah.
1: And well that was that was after he got the ring. This is the year after he got the okay. ring. Okay. So this is when he so, beat San Antonio. Okay. Which back to Popovich. <laughs> like if you could beat my coach, like the coach wants you. Uh then I went twenty thirteen, fourteen, Kevin Durant at power forward, do the length. I figure that was a pretty pretty good uh pick down there. I mean, if we talk about nuclear curry, this was nuclear durant's year. That was, you know, my mom's MVP type yep, of, yep. type
0: of stuff, but um, sorry, say that again. What year was that? Uh, thirteen, fourteen. You picked 13-14 KD. Gotcha. Yeah, so he was
1: he had himself just a, another year there. It was something incredible. Uh, it was almost like that's where people thought him and Westbrook could really do something.
0: Yeah, that's really where K D was able to show out his own talents but also have like a good core around him. Mm-hmm. To have Russell Westbrook when James Harden was your their sixth man, like that's a like strong team. James Harden and Russell Westbrook weren't playing at the level they are now, but that was such a strong, deep team, but it was still Durant's team. It was still, you know, his city, his chance to bring that team to the next level.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean that was that year they did lose to the Spurs who go on to win the NBA Finals. Um, but he just... That would, that year especially just sticks out to me because that was back when Durant was the guy that wanted to be the alpha. That was when the whole Sports Illustrated article, I've been a number two my whole life. Like, I want to be number one.
0: And sounds like some really great point guard that we have in Boston right now. Right,
1: listen, <laughs> listen, I'm not getting into that one for you. Um. So that, that version of Durant, the one that was kind of elevating a team, and certainly, you know, with his abilities, would want him on my squad. And then my last one, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Uh, I'm really sending this podcast to your grandfathers, grandmothers, <laughs> those, who, those that were watching basketball in the 70s. Um, that season, 1975-76, believe he was his first with the Lakers. 27.7 points per game, 16.9 rebounds per game, and 4.1 blocks.
0: That's unheard of.
1: So, again, he was playing against guys that probably would be G League to overseas guys now. Mm-hmm. But
0: the talent is there, the size is there, the athleticism is all yeah, there.
1: Yeah, 7-2 doesn't go out of style. <laughs> so, played 82 games. He was Pretty much unstoppable. This was right in the middle of his prime. He played big minutes. He wasn't one of those guys. Oh, I need a rest day.
0: If we're taking size, I should have put Taco Fall off my bench. <laughs> <laughs> Seven six, man. That's that's. And he also else.
1: could shoot free throws, which was something I was looking for in my big men because historically, a thing that goes wrong with big men.
0: Are we'll get there, but I guess I yeah. went a different route. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: But yeah, there's my starting five. If you need it one more time, Steph Curry from uh, 2015-16. Eddie Jones, 96-97, LeBron, 2012-13, Kevin Durant, 13-14, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar,
0: 1975-76. I love it. So, Ray, my starting five... Oh, my starting five. My point guard was the, was the toughest decision, hands down. Oh,
1: it's absolutely the toughest
0: decision. As I was saying, I feel like I needed a guy that could distribute the ball, that could generate an offense, that could run the floor and kind of be the mind of my starting five and the mind behind my team and everything that goes. Everybody's feeding around this point guard. I wavered back and forth, and I have to start with some honorable mentions for my point guard position. Magic Johnson was my original starting point guard. I ended up taking him off my team altogether. Sorry, Magic. Yikes. (laughs) Some great years, some great numbers. Uh, He was shooting, you know, I had him 83-84 with the Lakers. He was shooting 56% from the field. I wanted him to be the guy that could average 15-plus assists on my team. I didn't need him to score more than 10 or 15 a game, but I wanted him to distribute the ball and to draw a lot of attention on the floor. Well, he's no longer on my team. So my starting point guard, 1989-1990, to 1990, John Stockton with the Utah Jazz. John Stockton lost game five of a five-game series in the first round of the playoffs to the Phoenix Suns in that year so I I, he's got some vengeance in his heart right he lost to a Phoenix Suns team that had Jeff Hornacek on it and Jeff Hornacek later played for the Utah Jazz he was an amazing floor general that can shoot the ball he had some consistency I felt like he was a good locker room guy and I doing in doing my research about John Stockton of why you know obviously he has the most tallied assists in NBA history but I stumbled upon a story that Chris Weber told that made me feel like yeah this is the guy I want a starting point guard and it was game one of a Kings versus Jazz playoff series, and Weber tells goes up to his coach and he says, Coach, first play of the game, I'm finding John Stockton and I'm gonna lay his I'm gonna lay him out. I'm mm-hmm. not I'm I'm showing him who's boss, I'm showing him where he is and who he's going up against, and I'm just gonna sh- take it to him. So first play, well, first of all, coach says to him, Are you sure? Are you sure there's something you want to do? That's psycho. Weber says, I'm doing it. I don't care. So Chris Weber goes out first play and does exactly what he says. He lays out John Stockton. He's a man of his word. He puts a monster screen and Weber will admit he put his shoulder into him and it was a very dirty play. Knocks out Stockton. Stockton hits the floor. And what does John do? He gets up, taps his button, says, hey man, good screen. And he moves on. That's the kind of grind and grit that I want on my team he's a good locker room guy he's the guy that's going to come into the season with that kind of mentality he's going to come in the season and be like I want it all I want to win 82 games I want a championship I want to play for it all so I think having that mentality is the key to a point guard in a successful season as a co-requisite to someone that can distribute the ball very well So, 1989-1990, John Stockton with the Utah Jazz. His days with Carl Malone. Uh, I took a very similar route as you did, going a little bit wild card with the shooting guard. But again, somebody that's a defenseman, somebody that's going to lock you down on defense and not really need to score a lot. 2014-2015, Tony Allen with the Memphis Grizzlies.
1: Oh, you want to talk about someone that was just all over the place. (laughs) just. In your face, no matter what. I, l- I love this pick when I saw it.
0: Again, two words, grit and grind. He has active hands. He's a tough defender. And he's, sa- he's said to be one of the toughest guys to score on in the league. And a lot of players have come out and said Tony Allen is you know an incredible defender. He was averaging two steals a game and 2.6 fouls per game, which is shows that he's, he's trying to play physical basketball. For my small forward, I went in a similar direction as you did, but I went with 2015-2016 LeBron James with the Cleveland Cavaliers. This was a time where he, he was averaging 25 points per game, which was the fewest in his career. So now on this team, he's going to be surrounded by scores. He's still averaging 25, which is a great feat, but he doesn't need to be the guy to put up 35. He was averaging 7 rebounds and 6 assists, which is a great number, and he won the championship. That's, at the end of the day, that's what I need, a guy that can win a championship. So, again, we talked about this before, but LeBron's mix of a high basketball IQ, he's a very versatile player, it makes him my leader. John Stockton's the core. LeBron James is my leader and the focal point of this team. LeBron, that was also the year LeBron his, brought his team back from down 3-1 to the Warriors. I felt like his mentality and his confidence was at an all-time high. Yeah. We I, take, we yeah. take. yep. Yeah. I, I, got no, I got no comment. <laughs> we take it to the power forward position. Very, uh, actually, we had the, that's this is the one pick we overlapped on. 2013-2014, mm-hmm. Kevin Durant with the Thunder. He played 81 games that year. That's huge. And it's... When I'm trying to win 82 games, that's that's amazing. He can score at will. He can take you one one v one off the dribble, and he can also defend. He's long as ever. His wingspan is ridiculous. So he's a guy that can defend out uh, out on the perimeter. And in, in 2013, 2014, he was still young. He was still hungry, and he still wanted to get that ring. This was before he was he alpha. Went. This is this is before he came to the war. Spent his time at the Warriors and was in the championship every this year. Before
1: Westbrook ruined him. <laughs>
0: Um, So for my center position, I took 2000-2001 Shaquille O'Neal with the Los Angeles Lakers. Now,
1: I, I of course, respect
0: your opinion here. Uh,
1: Did you just have to do 2000-2001 just to,
0: like, stomp on my heart or something? Was that,
1: like, intended? It was
0: not in the back of my head, but I I need some sort of explanation here. What was it that makes 2000-2001 Shaquille O'Neal?
1: Do you you remember who played in the 2001 Finals?
0: Let me guess. Was it the Philadelphia 76ers? Uh
1: Uh-huh. Iverson. Dragged, dragged that team to the finals. Won the first game, stepped over Tyronn Lue,
0: and then lost the next. One of the most legendary series. So for me, for me, (laughs) for me, I took Shaq because that was essentially the. I mean, his peak athleticism, his late days with the Orlando Magic and his early days with the Lakers, were when he was still somewhat of an athletic guy, but he's just unstoppable in the post. And when I have a guy. At power forward like Kevin Durant that can stretch the floor, that can shoot the ball, to let Shaq be the guy in the post and just go to work down low, it was a no brainer. He was averaging 28 points, 12 rebounds, two blocks, and 2000 2001 was in the middle of the Lakers winning three titles in a row. Right. They won in 2000, 2001, 2002, and this was the middle year. So I felt like mm-hmm. this is a good point of like his prime of his prime. Shaq was my center. So similar thoughts for both
1: of us on uh, what should happen down low, having the four, the the four space in the floor, the stretch four, uh, one of Buzz's favorite terms. Uh, but, yeah, stretch four, I agree with you on that. Having Durant and then putting someone to work. I think I picked uh, Abdul-Jabbar. I think when they uh, started recording three-pointers, I think he was, like, 5% from three. So, like, my my post guy is not
0: moving anywhere outside. Like, my, uh, my Well, my original stretch four was Dirk Nowitzki. He Ooh. was the guy I had at uh, as my power forward and then I felt that Kevin Durant I felt I needed someone that could score at will in my starting lineup and to br- I kind of getting ahead of myself so to nice have Dirk, segue. let's hit the bench to have so my sixth man sixth man of the year 1999 to 2000 Dirk Nowitzki with the Dallas Mavs he was originally in my starting lineup but I felt I needed again again I needed a guy that could score at will but Dirk was one of the first guys that really stretched the floor as a four he was the first one that really came out with this extended Two or you know, or a three point shot.
1: Yeah, they extend two, then he realized it was inefficient and went out to
0: the three <laughs> point line. So nineteen ninety to two thousand, he played eighty games that season. Obviously, longevity and health is important. He was averaging 17 points, but he shot 38% from deep. And the big thing why I liked this year, Dirk Nowitzki, was that was when he was playing with Steve Nash. Right. To me, Steve Nash and John Stockton have very similar styles of play. It worked he works very well with a floor general that gets a good passer and he's a stretch four that's a good addition and can give Shaq space to work down low when he's on the floor. My seventh man, 2016-2017, Klay Thompson with the Golden State Warriors. This is a guy that just dead ass wants to win. All he wants to do is win. He's pulling eight threes a game. He's shooting 42%. I need a shooter to come off the bench, and he's giving me solid minutes with a good usage rate.
1: I mean, yeah, he was close to consideration for my starting job.
0: And so
1: he didn't make my bench. Uh, he was either a starter or a bust. Nah, I just forgot about him. But honestly, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I like, the, like the two picks there. What, what, what are we finishing up with over here?
0: My eighth man, 1989-1990, Hakeem Olajuwon with the Houston Rockets, who was averaging 14 rebounds a game and played all 82. So funny you should
1: mention that. I'm going to segue over to mine real quick. Uh, Hakeem was originally on the first draft of my team. Then he was taken off. Then he was put back on. He was taken off. And then I, you know, took a peek at uh, your list earlier today in the notes. And then he was officially off the team because you had him on the team. And I was like, you know, you know I was like, we got to keep things interesting. Yeah, I right was like, right? I was between two guys. Uh, so we'll get to my eighth man on who I picked instead of him. But, yeah, that's a solid bench and a solid starting lineup. Uh, however, take us through your six, seven, eight. All right, my sixth man. 2015-16 Kawhi Leonard. Only played 72 games, so I'm a little scared. I'm, okay. I'm a little scared. He did a lot of resting that year. I don't, I don't know what it was. I don't know if, you know, him and Pop, a little disagreement <laughs> early on. But a lot of resting. That's a
0: bold move to put Kawhi and Pop together on a team. I like it, though. Uh, listen,
1: how badly do you want to win? <laughs> We're
0: going to say this, this team was... In this hypothetical league, winning is everything.
1: Yeah. <laughs> no, Nobody goes to Toronto for a lifestyle change. But anyways, um... Twenty-one points, forty-four percent from deep. Like twenty-one points for him. Sure, whatever. Like Kawhi is well beyond that now. But forty-four percent from deep is that's surprising. That's incredible. In uh, that year, he was more of a complimentary player, which is something I like. That was back when you know there was still the idea that Tony Parker, and Manu, and I think Duncan, I think had just retired. Okay. I think Aldridge, that was had just gotten there, and. It was more of a – he was a really, like, third guy on that team. So I feel like coming off the bench would be a solid, like, complimentary thing for him. Uh, both forward positions, which is big. He can go small forward or power forward. And then defensively, it was one of his better defensive years. I could go through um, advanced stats if you really want to bore yourself.
0: <laughs> no, but you're d- good. Let's roll Defensively,
1: it. it was good stuff. Um, and that year also, I believe – I have that he was uh, – Rather high in scoring, but he was 31st in league in usage percentage, so very low on the list. Of uh, any time you can say that you know you're in the top, I think it was 15 in scoring, and then below top 30 in usage, you're getting the most out of your touches, and that's why I need off the guy off the bench. Uh, my seventh man, you're gonna love this. Uh, I believe young Sam Cohn really enjoyed the show this guy put on. Ray Allen Yes With the Boston Celtics Yes Played 80 games uh, Consistent theme here
0: Talk about a pure shooter I need
1: my team I need my guy Shooting the three This guy another 44% From three And at that point In his career The role had kind of Lessened The points per game Were down I I think He was kind of He wasn't you know Bad But it was more of He wasn't getting The ball as much Might have contributed To the fact that he helped Another guy on my team LeBron James Get a ring eventually Yep uh, it was actually probably the best. I do,
0: I do like that pick.
1: It was probably the best defensive season of his career, which doesn't say much because he wasn't you know, outstanding defender, but better than any other year. And another low usage uh, rating. And then my eighth man, uh, this one, shout out to my dad on this one. Um, As I was thinking it, and then I was, once you had uh, Hakeem, I was like, you know what, Moses Malone, man. Uh, 19, that's a good one. 1982 I, 83 Moses Malone with the Philadelphia with the Sixers. Sixers. Yep. To the title. Full, full, full. He's going to say 82 before the season, then they're going to win. He said they were <laughs> going to be undefeated. It, 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 you know, that it happens. It's confidence everything. Yeah, he's got confidence. And how about 15.3 rebounds per game, 24.5 points per game, best defensive rating of his career, uh, decent uh, true shooting percentage for a big man. He brought a title to Philly to Philadelphia. He was a Sixer. He came it's off It's not a an neighborhood MVP. in Philly he can't go. Uh, amen to that. And he came off I think it either was an MVP season or it was something ridiculous in Houston. Comes to Philadelphia. Dr. J, let me show you the way. <laughs> let me show you how to get a title. One of my dad's favorites and when I was looking on going back and forth between Olajuwon and Malone, he was on the team, he was off the team, he was on the team, he was off, the team, he was off the team and then finally I was like, you know, he's got to be on the team. I gotta be a little. We wavered here. a lot before the show. You were flipping a coin. Yes, yeah, so I was flipping <laughs> a coin on what year of Malone I wanted, and then I realized I really wanted the year that he brought six title. Like I need, I need Just that championship sense. chase and drive in this. That's 80s yeah. 80s that's another
0: thing I kept looking at was like when I pick a guy, do I want him in a championship year? Do I want him coming off? a season that should have been a championship year with some vengeance in his heart? Do I want him coming off a year where he played a lot of games, where he didn't play a lot of games? He's like, like There's so much that goes into picking this team and trying to win 82 games is not easy, man.
1: Curry proved himself after you know a fantastic season. I mean, the season itself kind of speaks for itself. Um, Eddie Jones, I don't think we have any like season really meaning behind that. LeBron, that's second title, so people keep... Keep silencing people. Uh, Durant, again, that's when he was an alpha. Kareem Abdul Jabbar, first year with the Lakers. Kawhi Leonard was coming into his own, kind of looked like the heir apparent to the Spurs. We know how that ended. Um, Ray Allen, late in the career, but that Celtics team still had a bit to say about the hierarchy in the East. And then Moses Malone, of course, won a title. So if we're talking about. Ex, uh, not non stats because you know, big
0: numbers guy, but non stat
1: <laughs> reasoning. There you go.
0: That's a, but that's the, a team. Yeah, the, the crazy thing is, like, when you're putting these guys together, there's obviously so much of this human factor of with this ever like chemistry is the biggest thing I try to think about it because you can't pick a guy to come into this team that would be a bad locker room guy or that would be the guy that says, I don't want to take a lesser role, I want to help the team. Win. That's
1: where I had the, the grief with quiet I, I, why did I have a sleepless night last night? Do I want the defensive anchor and really in the most efficient year of his career? I ended up saying yes, because at that point he still loved Popovich. So if I got 2015-16 Kawhi Leonard, there is no issue with Popovich. So I was like, you know what, there's that. Before the beef. Yeah, before the beef. um, He was coming off the season. Believe or He was two years removed from just destroying LeBron in the finals there was there was so much there and that, yeah you know, that's like, that's why
0: we both took Kevin Durant early it was before his time with the Warriors where now he's just kind of bored and just going out and playing basketball this was a time when he was he was young he was athletic he was very good at basketball which he still is all those things but his mindset was really what's changed it's like he was still so hungry for that title i know
1: and it was before all the like Durant kind of gets a pass now because he's on the Warriors for like injury history like He's been injured quite a bit in his career. Like he's missed extensive time quite a few times. So this early version of him, Sturble. It's, it's also because he had to play a lot because once they decided to keep Ibaka instead of Harden, they paid the price for that. And then the fact that he's got Westbrook as his teammate, who just is horribly inefficient and has to make up for that deficiency. Like you know, he was being worked a lot there in Oklahoma City, and it's not a really glamorous place. I mean, I don't blame him for leaving.
0: Again, uh, we could go all into he, that for. Okay, years. think about how different the world would be if Kevin Durant had come to the Celtics. We don't need to get too deep into it.
1: Well, I mean, yeah. Like, let's be clear here. Him not going... Like, if it had to be the Warriors or the Celtics, like, I'm glad it was Golden State.
0: That's fair. And that that's pers- that's a personal beef, but... it's. <laughs> so, I have one more question before I let you go. If you had to pick one X factor that really makes a team successful, one thing that separates a team and can get that team over the hump of winning 82 games and then winning a championship, what do you think that thing is?
1: I think it's... Having a diverse group of talents and understanding that diverse group of talents, I think what made like the most recent dynasty we know is kind of Golden State, and I think they they were very conscious at the beginning of everything of what made them successful. They knew, you know, this was your role, this was that, and there was the egos kind of hadn't set in, and you could see them starting to set in now. I mean, Steve Kerr called on video saying he's tired of. Draymond and whatever it's kind of set in now but you knew exactly what every guy on that team was going to do and going back to that run LeBron had with the Heat it might have been four years they only got two titles and they promised you know the city like everything but you knew exactly who was going to be called on in what situation you knew who was getting the ball you knew what everyone's role was on that team I think it's about Clear leadership, clear, defined leadership. If you don't have someone in charge that has prestige and respect, and that, that can go back and forth because Tyron Liu had no prestige as a coach, but he had the respect at least. And let's be honest,
0: LeBron was the coach of that team, um, and he had the prestige. That was one of the other things I wavered on when picking a coach is like if you have a guy like LeBron who's known for taking his coach down a step or you have – a team of all-stars, like, who's a coach that can handle that? And beyond the quote of, I don't coach losers, I only coach winners, it was the fact that he's coached the USA team for so many years that made me feel like Mike Krzyzewski could handle taking a team like this to the promised land.
1: Yeah, and for me, picking Popovich was more about how he's made it work over a long sense of time and that kind of prestige, the fact that he's been able to figure it out with – the core was the same, but he had, you know, guys come come and go – And the fact that I think sustained success, like, success in itself is very difficult, but sustaining that over a long period of time, to me, is much more impressive. Like, if you you win two championships in a row, it's kind of the whole Patriots thing, honestly. (laughs) Like, what's so impressive to me about Bill Belichick, and now this is off the whole basketball train, but they had that stretch where they won three titles in four years. Mm -hmm. But the fact that now we're talking about three titles in four years
0: like, a decade and a Again. half later. <laughs> yep. It's I mean, that's rid- that's ridiculous. That's the root of this discussion, is, like, how do you put together s- sustained success? What does that mean? What does that look like? How do you tangibly, like, put that together? And we were looking at it in the NBA now over a period of time and we we're putting together this crazy hypothetical discussion of how can you win 82 games, but and the fact of the matter do you keep is a core there's together, so much more to it.
1: Especially in basketball, how do you keep a core together for that? Like, the fact that Popovich... At the end of the 90s, the early 2000s, we're talking about the Spurs having success. And that entire team made it to when I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. Like,
0: what? You look at Bill Russell and the Celtics in the 60s. They, you know, they won nine championships in, in 10 years. That would never happen now because nobody's staying with a team that long. Exactly.
1: The, the whole idea, and that's a big part of why I picked Popovich, because I felt like he and Kawhi kind of breaks that mold of, no, I don't want to be a part of this. Get me out of here. But outside of him, like, the way they built that team and the way it, you know, ran its course for such a long time and they were consistently at the top. And even this year, I'm sorry, but DeMar DeRozan is not a one. Like, DeMar DeRozan and Marcus Aldridge is not the combination that should be putting a team in the playoffs. They make the playoffs. It's another impressive impressive season for Pavovich. Like, especially in today's NBA with the way DeRozan just – doesn't shoot the three ball well. I know we have a different viewpoint on the three ball, yep.
0: but like, I mean, I'm not trying to devalue the three ball. I just under like if efficiency and do you need a, Do you need everybody to be able to shoot the three? Is one thing. Well, that's
1: right. Yeah, and I think I just think it's impressive that a team that seems so deficient in that uh, regard in today's NBA still has a chance to make playoffs because their coach is just a genius. I I'm big, huge Popovich fan. I'm not not even big, huge Popovich fan. So that's why. Why? When Coach honesty was probably the easiest thing for me.
0: That's a good one. I, I I mean I love the pick of Pop. I think he's one of the yeah, greatest. Yeah, and uh, uh, Coach K. Time. You can't go wrong with Coach yeah. K. I I was
1: watching I Hate Christian Laettner uh, last night actually. Really? I think it was on ESPN two. Uh, great re-airing of that. Uh, classic. Uh,
0: I don't hate him because I wasn't alive to really hate him. But don't have enough of a hatred in my heart for Duke University or for Christian Laettner. Yeah, and- I
1: mean I'm not really a you know a hateful guy. You know. We like to
0: stay optimistic around yeah, here.
1: Yeah, we're we're a bunch of like you know positivity and speaking
0: of positivity, an eighty-two, the yeah. possibility of an eighty-two win season. We're so optimistic, we think it could happen. Well, Ray, thank you for coming on. Of course, this was a lot of fun. This was tough, man. This was tough to put together. This was, and I'm sure I'm going to catch flack on this one. So <laughs> I, I honestly, I hope we
1: catch flack. I yeah, I I want like Temple talks Philly on Friday. We might have to br- we might have to bring this to the table. Yeah, absolutely. I mean. If Buzz is making a team, it's going 0-82. <laughs> literally, literally could stack it. He could bring to me the 73-9 and 9 Warriors roster, and there's just no way they'd win a game. He'd find a way to go 0-82. But honestly, uh, anyone who has made it to this point and listened to us for this long, if you've got a team, tweet it at us, honestly. I, I want to see someone else's opinion right? on this. Wait, yeah, give, me, give me a tweet. A little yeah. bit of
0: feedback. Ray, you want to plug your Twitter?
1: Oh, yeah, sure. At Uh it's a capital R, a capital D, and then capital BTP.
0: Very specific. Yeah. But, yeah, any feedback we could possibly get for the Cone Zone, uh, tweet either Ray or myself at SamCone6 about any of the picks we've made so far or any picks you think went unmentioned. Oh, wait, i got an
1: honorable mention for my point guard. I totally forgot.
0: The fact that we didn't mention Michael Jordan I think is ridiculous, but I guess he's one of those guys that we felt like we was – too much, maybe too much talent? I don't even know what it was. That yeah, usage like percentage
1: is just too much. You know, I wanted the GOAT on my team, and unfortunately I had to sacrifice the second-best player of all time.
0: My other biggest missed honorable mention was Rajon Rondo. Uh, yeah, I got another good one for you. 2013-14 uh, Michael Carter-Williams. Oh, my <laughs> God. Any reason behind you would ever want a Michael Carter-Williams on an 82-win team? That's a
1: former rookie of the year, Michael Carter-Williams, to you. Oh, no, my, I'm just, I'm just kidding. Uh, I, had to, I had to throw him in there just because, just for the— Hell of it. People that know me know that's a pretty on-brand pick. I, have my, uh, I don't have my Mark Carlton's
0: jersey with me. Well, any final words before we, uh, before we end this? No,
1: just thank you very much for having me. Uh, I'm looking forward to come back and talk some uh, playoff basketball,
0: uh, specifically Orlando Magic basketball. <laughs> um, Keep your eyes out on the Orlando Magic before the next episode that Ray comes onto the Cone Zone. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm a little nervous.